you, praise team, and welcome to our new members. Aren't they awesome? They take us into the presence every week. Every week they bring us into the Lord's presence. Um, I just want to say before I start this morning that, um, you know, every time that I stand up here, or Pastor Tim or Pastor Glenn uh, or Elijah, as he's coming up in a few weeks, uh, our, our fear and our concern is that any of you will walk away in just a little while not having gotten anything out of the message. And um, all of us, I think, would agree that you know, none of us are as smart uh, as we need to be. And we don't know all of the needs that are represented. There's no way we could ever know that. Only God knows what you really need when you come into this building. And so uh, I just want to ask if it'd be all right if we just stop for a moment and say a prayer and ask the Lord to speak to you in, in the places inside of your heart that you need to be spoken to, places that, that you may not even be aware need to be touched by God today. Uh, that's certainly a supernatural thing. I can't do that, Glenn, Pastor Glenn, Pastor Tim. That's something the Holy Spirit has to do. And so I just want to pray and, and stop and just ask the Lord to do that if that's all right. Let, let's pray together. Father, we come into your house this morning and we, we humbly ask that you would open us up and that you would help us to hear your word, that voice of truth. Lord, not me or anyone else, but your voice, Lord, the voice of the shepherd the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. We ask as we open your word that you would speak to us, that you would touch us in places, Lord, in our heart that we didn't know needed to be, to be moved. I pray that you would open our understanding that we might see your word, hear your voice, and be able to follow you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Thank you. I, I, I want to suggest that some of you go into a bookstore this week and look to your left and then check to the right and then wander over to the dummy section. Do you know, have you, are you aware of that dummy series of books that's out there? Okay. If you're not aware of the dummy books that are out there, you're pretty out of it is what you are. <laughs> out of it is what you are. There's all these dummy books that are out there because over 35 million people have bought one of the over 300 books that are in this series. I mean, there's everything. The variety of topics is breathtaking. Listen to these topics. There's fishing for dummies. There's parenting for dummies. There's law for dummies. Apparently, those are selling out. There's, they, they even have sex for dummies. I didn't think anybody could be that dumb. But they have it. Now, the, the sales of these books have caught everybody off guard. They've been out for a while now. But one satisfied customer expressed his appreciation for this series this way. He says this. I buy them because whatever the subject matter, they spell it out for me in simple terms. They make the complex understandable. They take the intimidation out of the learning process. And he ended by saying this, even a regular guy like me can get it. Now, I bring this up because 
We're going to look in the Old Testament this morning. We're in this series, The Power of One. This morning, we're talking about the power of one presence, of one presence. And in the Old Testament, in the book of Ecclesiastes, there is a set of verses that really challenge our heart when we come into God's house. If you were to go into the bookstore and look in the dummy section, there's one book you would not find, and that is The Power of One Presence for Dummies, or Church Attendance for Dummies, as I like to call it. We're going to look because there's a do's and don'ts list that God gives us in his word. Have you ever thought about that? When you come into God's house, there are certain things God wants you to be doing and certain things he doesn't want you to be doing. You ever thought about that? Now, God's presence is everywhere, but this is a special place. Not because just the building and what it's dedicated to, but whenever we come together in this place, this place comes alive because God is in us and the Spirit of God lives in you that know Jesus as your Savior. So when we come together, this is a powerful place. Solomon tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, and he gives us some thoughts some thoughts on the power of presence or the power of church attendance. When you come into God's presence, when you come into God's house, how does God want us to, to handle ourselves? A couple of thoughts, three thoughts this morning. Number one, when you come into God's house, don't just congregate, participate. This is very important. I want you to watch this verse. Solomon says, walk prudently or wisely when you go to the house of God. He says, he doesn't say walk into the house of God with all of your swag, right? With, with, with all of our pride and with all of our I know it all. He says, walk wisely. When you step through the doors of God's house, put on your wisdom cap. He wants you to do this. And he says, and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they do evil. Now allow me to first point out that the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, says walk prudently when, W-H-E-N, when you go to the house of God, not if you go to the house of God. Now I'm preaching to the choir because you're all sitting here today. You showed up today as opposed to other people that didn't show up. But the Bible talks about when we go to God's house, and I, you know, in Solomon's day, it, it was a given God's people would go to God's house. They love God. They love God's people. They want to be close to the presence, the body of Christ. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I believe that God's presence is with you all the time when you're a believer, but when his body comes together, there's something special God reserves for that moment. Do you believe that? I mean, it's something that you can't get by just watching the service online. I, I know I have friends that'll tell me sometimes, people tell me, you know, we'll, we'll just catch it online, man. And I think, hey, I love technology, and I think that's great that you catch it online, but we don't, you know, it's not called Saturday Night Taped. It's called Saturday Night Live. It's called live worship. There's something you miss about the presence of God when you don't show up with all of, of the other believers. 
Now, I praise God that we're able to put our sermons and, our, and, and a lot of the resources online. And we love technology. But I want to encourage you to remember there's something you miss when you're not here with us. There's something we miss. There's a presence, something about the presence. And so the most fundamental way you can start participating in your Christian life is by showing up at church. Showing up. When we have a service, you attend. When we open the doors, you're here. When we have a meal, you come. When there's an outing, you join. In Solomon's day, it wasn't even a question. But today, it's a question. I'll never forget when I first became a pastor, uh, right after I was uh, brought on to be a pastor, I, I had a conversation with a lady, and she said, you know, I, I can have, you know, me and God, we're good. You know, I don't really need church, and I, I can just kind of, you know, I have my own thing going on with God over here. I thought to myself, that's convenient, right? You know, it's pretty easy to be holy and to live for God when you don't have to run into another human being, <laughs> right? I mean, it's pretty easy to be holy and to feel that you are, you know, every, you've got everything together when you're not married and you don't have children, right? It's pretty simple to feel like you and God are as close as you're ever going to be when you're sitting out on a mountain and you don't have to deal with other people. But then take your life and deal with people in traffic, that cuts you off, or go take your life and go to work and deal with a difficult boss or a difficult co coworker, and then all of a sudden, it gets real, right? You have to take what you say you believe and see if it's real. Does it make a difference? I hope so. And so, when, when we don't show up to church, when we don't come together with God's family, it's very easy to start to overestimate how close we are to God. But the Lord says, I want you to come to my house, and when you come, I want you to come close to me. I don't want you to just congregate. You know, uh, <clears throat> I grew up in a Baptist church, and we used to call, and I was a back row Baptist for many years. Uh, you know what, do you know what a back row Baptist is? A back row Baptist is a Baptist who likes to sit in the back row because they don't like to be up close to here. They're afraid that like lightning's going to come out of the preacher or something, and they're a little nervous about it all, actually. They're not even sure the building's going to hold up when they walk in. And so I want to encourage you, when you come to church, don't hold back. When you come to church, don't just show up but participate, become a part of it. Now, I honor you for being here today because you're here. And I want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing, to keep coming. But in our culture today, we, we need to be encouraged to understand that we, we have to learn to love one another. This is what Jesus said. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Very important that we learn to love one another that we learn to come together as the body of Christ. Now, it says, Solomon says, draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil. Now, he says another way that you and I participate in church is not only to show up, but it's also to tune in. A lot of people, when they show up, they show up, but they tune out. 
And, and it's difficult. They come in and, and they feel like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing my duty by being here today. And, you know, hey, God, I'm giving you my hour or so, hour and a half here this week and, you know, doing, doing pretty good. But, but he says, draw near to hear. To hear what? You know, in between, I was, I'm reading a book right now on the subject of listening. Listening. When, when's the last time you ever had a college course on how to listen? When did you ever get on-the-job training on how to listen unless you're a 911 worker, right? Unless you're a telemarketer. We, we don't usually talk about listening, and yet listening is one of the most core pieces of what it means to be human and what it means to be Christian. In between all of our hurried lives, we get a lot of practice at not listening, We're talking to our children now about doing devotions, about what it means to get close to God. Now, a lot of times, my attitude and our, our hurried nature is, all right, God, I've got 30 seconds, go. And that's, I've learned that's not how God works. It really needs to be more like, God, take your time, I'm listening. I'm listening. That's when God speaks. That's when God can speak to the areas of your life that are being glossed over because you're in such a hurry. You're, you're so busy going from this event to this task to this thing that you, you know, it feels urgent. You feel like it needs to get done and you feel like if it doesn't get done, everything's gonna fall apart and yet God's up there going, actually, I'm running the universe, not you. Has God ever had to say that to you? Anybody? You're in church. You can be honest here. It's okay. God's had to say that to me a lot. Brad, it's not on your shoulders. It's on mine. But when you come to, to God's house, Solomon says, I want you to come into God's house and I want you to draw near. Don't just bring up the rear. Don't just, just tune out. I want you to draw near to hear. And with your with your heart, not just your ears. Listen for my voice. How do you hear God's voice when you get here? You hear God's voice in the music. Sometimes God speaks to me through a song. Does he ever do that to you? You hear God's voice in the preaching. You hear God's voice in the greeting when someone says to you, welcome. When someone says, how are you doing today? He wants you to draw near to hear not to give the sacrifice of fools. What is the sacrifice of fools? Well, you know, we started off talking about the dummy series. I wish there was a book called Worship for Dummies because a lot of people aren't quite sure what they're doing. And so in not understanding what they're doing, they're offering a sacrifice of fools. The sacrifice of fools is when you come into God's house and you go through the motions you don't really listen, you're not really trying to worship, you're not really here. I mean, your body's here, but you're not. Your mind's a thousand miles away, your heart's not in it. I mean, goodness gracious, they don't have any crosses or statues around here. How can this be worship, right? And the Bible says that that thinking is foolish. To think that we do God a favor because we sit through an hour service. That's a sacrifice. Well, God, I'm sacrificing my time. 
I mean, I could be in bed right now. I could be fishing. I could be doing whatever right now, but I'm giving my time to you, God. Come on, man. And God's like, that's a foolish sacrifice. Why is it foolish? Because you're not getting anything out of it. And guess what? Neither is God. Not connecting with him. You know what a major difference between religion and Christianity is? With religion, you go through the motions. The sacrifice of fools. Christianity is when you put your heart into it. You know, the sacrifice of fools is coming to church. And when people come to church once in a while, and when they do, they put all their eggs in that one basket. They go, well, God, you know, I come at Christmas and I come at Easter, so we're good. And Solomon says, don't be like that. Don't be like that. There's a reason that we worship more often. He says they don't even realize what they're doing. They're doing evil. They don't even know it. They don't even know it. And so Solomon says, don't just congregate. Don't just sit in the sanctuary. Actually participate. Allow yourself to open your heart to the Lord when you're in this room. When you come to God's house, also, don't talk off the top of your head, but from the bottom of your heart. I had uh, one leadership expert said, anytime anybody says, this is off the top of my head, expect dandruff. Nothing good's really going to come. I mean, when they say, I'm going to wing it, that's what you can expect. But when we come to church, when we come to God's house, he says, don't just talk off the top of your head. Speak from the bottom of your heart. Notice what he says. He says, do not be rash with your mouth. Oh, we could camp here. Couldn't we, folks? When you come into God's house, there are people who come into God's house and they are running their mouth a mile a minute with no thought about what God wants to say to them. And let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. Oh God, if you'll just get me out of this mess I'll do this. I, I will give my life. I will go to seminary if you will just get me out of this mess. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Are there, is there anybody that you'd like to send that to in an email? <laughs> God's in heaven. You're not. So put a trap in it or a sock in it or I don't know, whatever. You know what I mean? For a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by his many words. By the way, that's a scary thought for pastors like us because part of what we do is we communicate God's word. And Jesus said, you will be judged for every idle word that comes out of your mouth. That's why I know one of Pastor Tim's uh, disciplines, one of my disciplines, is we write down literally just about every word we plan to say because we don't want to have unnecessary words to say to you. We don't want to waste your time. Your time is valuable. So is ours. So is God's. And so he says, let the words be few. Now, he's only warning us about some of us who come and think that church basically is more like a social event, like a social event. He's saying we come to church first and foremost before everything else we come to church to experience God, not express ourselves. How many of you know people who think the main, the main purpose of the church is so they can come and express themselves? 
Let me tell you, church does not exist so you can have somebody to give your business card to. Church does not exist so that you can have a network to sell to. Church does not exist so that you can build your multi-level marketing company. The church exists so that people, men and women, boys and girls, may come to know God, may come to know Jesus Christ, and may, by coming to know him, walk with him, surrendering every part of their life. Solomon is warning us this is not what church is about. Church is not a glorified cocktail party. Now, let me be clear. The church is a place where relationships are built. One of the reasons that we are part of God's family is so that our, our need for relationship is met and so that we don't have to feel lonely and we don't have to feel like we're outcast and that we can feel like we're a part of rather than apart from. All of those things are true, but first and foremost, the church does not exist so that singles can get married. It's wonderful if you meet your spouse in church, and that's great. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is to lift up and glorify Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? What do you think about that? When you come, we come to honor and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Very important. Don't be rash with your mouth, he says. Let your words be few. There's something more meaningful to talk about when you come to church. And, I, and you know me, I, I love to joke and I love to talk about football and I love to talk about the weather and everything else. But there are more meaningful things. And we don't want to talk about those things to the exclusion of never mentioning, hey, where are you at with God? How are you doing with the Lord this week? Do you feel close to him? Do you feel far away from him today? Have you experienced God's presence in your life this week? I mean, that's really why we're here. That's why we're here. You see, there's do's and don'ts when it comes to church. There really are. I mean, there's some ways that God wants us to use our mouth and ways he doesn't. One of the ways is to encourage. Hebrews says, exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. God says, when you come to church, use your words to encourage, lift up one another. When's the last time you went to someone around here and just said to them, hey, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I'm praying for you. When's the last time you went up to somebody and, and just one of our church family and just said, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can pray for you about? Is there anything you need? This is how God wants us to talk when we come to church. Also, he says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now, I know that there are people who come to church and they do like to use their mouth to stir things up. And it rarely has to do with love and good works. And right here, the Bible says, no, no, when you stir things up, make sure you're stirring things up with love, the right motive, and good works. In other words, that the fruit of your lips is influencing and encouraging people to do what is right, not what is wrong. These are the ways we are to use our, our words. Finally, 
And we're just talking about the power of one presence, the power of coming to God's house. Third thought is simply this. Don't just make promises. Keep them. Keep them. I know over the years I've heard others and then I've myself, I myself have made many promises to the Lord. And that tends to be what happens. We come into a situation, it's very intense for about an hour and a half. We're worshiping, there's great music, we're, we're, we're together, there's preaching, and, and, and it's intense. And so we're, we're moved to make a decision or to get close to God. And inevitably, we end up saying something like, all right, God, Today I'm committing to do this for you, or I'm going to make this decision. This is what Solomon says. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Now there's that word fools again. That's not my word. That's God's word. Okay, I'm not calling you that, and I hope you're not calling me that. God is saying that there are such things as fools and they're not really pleasing to God. Pay what you have vowed, better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Very interesting. Solomon, I think, was very wise to include this, to include this in this list of do's and don'ts, the power of one presence, the power of being in God's presence, the power of being in God's house. I want to encourage you that the Lord wants you to make commitments to him. But he's not impressed with empty promises. He really isn't. And God knows your heart. And, and, you know, a lot of times I'll sit, you know, one of us will sit here and we'll say, well, God, you know, um, I know that after hearing this message, I feel convicted or moved in this one area. And I promise you, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to ever do this again. And God would just rather you be honest than be spiritual, right? Because let's be honest. God knows your heart before you even do. The Bible says that God knows every thought that comes into your mind or every word that comes off your tongue before you even think it or say it. So let's just... Let's just put that out there and let's just say this. God would rather you say to him, God, I know I shouldn't do this. And I would really like to say to you that I, will, I won't do it again. But the fact is that after I leave this service, I have every intention of doing it again. I know, I know, you, you know, your, your servant just preached a sermon on it. I got it, blah, blah, blah. But nothing changed. I wasn't moved. It was boring. And I'm, and I'm just going to go back and do what I think is fun now. Or <clears throat> that you say, God, you know, I know that you say I'm supposed to do this. But honestly, the, the fact is I have no intention of putting this to practice in my life. I showed up because, well, quite frankly, uh, I don't want to be in trouble with the family. And so I'm here doing my thing, putting in my time. God would much rather you say that then pretend to be something you're not. Because at least, at least then you know what you're working with. God already knows what he's working with. (laughs) God already knows what I intend to do and don't intend to do. He knows what you intend to do and don't intend. You're not fooling him. 
That's why a fool is such a difficult thing is because the only person they're fooling is themselves. God wants you to be honest. He does. He wants you to be honest with him. You know, there have been times when I've had to say to God, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do, but I want to want to do it. Does that make sense? There have been times in my life I've said, God, I don't want to do it. And honestly, I don't intend to. And I, yes, I know, you've told me because your pastor's told me a lot and my mom and dad, I know it has consequences, but I don't care because this is what I want to do right now. And there have been times when I've had to say, Lord, help me, save me from myself, God. I want to want to do what you want me to do. Maybe that's the prayer you need to pray this morning. To say, Lord, I want to do what's right. I want my life to follow you. I want to live in your presence. I want to be honoring to you. I want to be glorifying to you. When I come into your house, I want to do these things, but it's difficult. And Lord, I often find myself not wanting to do the very thing that you tell me to do. Lord, would you help me to want to want to do what you want me to do? Sometimes that's the prayer. That's where we start. As I close this morning, I just want to read part of a psalm. The Bible says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. Think about it. God is knowing you right now. He's knowing you. He sees you sitting there. He's with you. He's in you. He's around you. He knows when you sit down and when you stand up. You know my thoughts even when, I, when, when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. And this is the part I really love. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Every time I read that, I think about my mom. You see, when I was a little boy, I thought my mom had eyes in the back of her head. I promise you I thought that. I was three, four, five years old, and I would do something in another room. I mean, one time my dad, listen, me and my dad were riding down. I thought my dad had eyes in, the, in his side and this back because we were riding down the road. And he said something to me that I didn't like. And I looked at him and I knew he couldn't see me because he was driving. And I went. And my dad never looked at me once, kept driving, went, I saw that. <laughs> oh, I was like, no, I knew he didn't see that. How did he see that? And then when I got older, I was a little disappointed because I was in my living room watching NWA wrestling, watching Ric Flair, Greg the Hammer Valentine. Mom had told me not to watch it, but I was watching it anyway, and I, and I was a little disappointed because I realized, yeah, she, she doesn't have eyes in the back. I can get away with some stuff. But God's not like that. There is no escaping God. 
He's everywhere. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. Some of you right now feel that everything in your life has gone dark. You feel like that you are living in the darkness, you are living in the valley, that you don't really know if there's any light at the end of the tunnel. And I just want to encourage you this morning by saying that even in the darkness, God has not left you. Even in the darkest places of your life, God has not abandoned you. Even in the darkest places of your own heart, God has not rejected you. God's grace comes to you and encourages you and loves you and forgives you no matter where you are, who you are, or what you're going through. He knows you and he loves you. And it's the power of the presence of God in our life that when we come together as a body of believers, we begin to understand the power of God's presence. Would you just bow your head with me just for a moment? Close your eyes.